Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Family, if you would, lift your Bibles up and say this confession with me. We can say it together. It'll be displayed for you on the monitor. Just select the one that's closest to you. All right, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible in Jesus name. Amen. Family, I'm going to I'm going to do my best to stay on track today. I'm going to try to minimize my rabbit trail thoughts and, and different things like that. I'm going to try. Not a promise, but I'm going to try. Before we get started, though, I want to tell you three quick Smith stories. And I want to tell them to you because I, I, I've been I've been they've been kind of stacking up. So I need to go ahead and get them out. The first two, I actually want to share with you because it's just a reminder of each and every one of us how sometimes you can get so consumed in, in what's around you and what you're doing that you can miss the obvious that's right in front of you. Smith story number one is about my darling wife, Greta. Recently, Greta, my youngest son, Eric, and myself, we, you know, we, were, we were out of town, and we're coming from the outside during the day into the hotel. We walk into the hotel, and then after a, a brief moment, the wife says, what's up with the light in here? It's all dark. I think it was my son that said, Mama, you got your sunglasses on. <laughs> Obvious, right, right in front of her face. <laughs> Here's the second one. She's like, it's dark in here. Here's the second one. I am, this, was, this is about me. We're out and about recently, and my wife is helping me shoe shop. I'm looking for, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a, a new pair of sneakers. And she's being extremely helpful. You know how you, you go to a shoe shop, you got to sit down and try on the shoes. So she's like my runner. What size you need? What color you like? So she's bringing me boxes. So I got boxes all, all around me. Well, I finally decide on a pair. When I decide on a pair, she says, okay, you know what? I'll go and put them all up for you. So she's going to put the shoes up, and I'm like, I'm missing a shoe. 
and I have this woman all over the place. Turns out it's on my foot. <laughs> she looked at me like, I ought to slap me. All right, here's the last one. My, my wife and my youngest son, Eric and I, were, we went to the grocery store. And went to the grocery store. And in the grocery store line, you know, I'm not going to say the store, but they make really good subs there. And I went, we went to the grocery store, and we were in line to get a sub or sandwiches and stuff. And we happened to be right behind or a few people back from a lady that used to be the daycare provider for our oldest son. And he's like 30, 29, 29, boom. So he's 29. So that tells you how, how, how old. And, and she's seen our kids, you know, as they grew up. So I'm standing here with Greta and Eric. Now keep in mind, you don't see the gray in my beard or anything because I got my mask on. This is what I look like. And so she starts to ask about Benjamin. How is he? She's like, oh, he's grown, living in New York. He's got three, got three, the wife and three kids. She's, oh, oh, yeah. And, and she, she remembers Durana. And then she points to Eric. And she says, in effect, did I ever care for him? And Greta's like, no, you didn't care for this one. And then she points at me. Did I care for him? <laughs> <laughs> me like shut up <laughs> all right <laughs> oh my god all right family let me get up here so I can stay on I can stay on task we <laughs> we remain on our I guess account of Moses and this burning bush out of the book of Exodus. And what we have come to thus far, we've, we've learned several things, had several insights, but two main insights that we should embrace have surfaced thus far. Look at them. First image. Give it a second. The image should say, Oh, you know what? That's from last week. So while they, while they find the images from this week, let's just, let's just continue forward. There are two things that we have come to embrace thus far. Item number one is this. We are to embrace our God-given natural skills and talents. We call them common gifts. We understand as believers that, you know, we have a component that we should really embrace that's spiritual, but don't walk past your common gift. What was the second item? The second item is we need to embrace the opportunities that God gives us in the common to fulfill his purpose. There are common everyday things that come across our path that just explode with God's purpose, but we just walk past them because it's, it's not super spiritual. But God's purpose can be you fixing the meal for that family whose parent just lost a job. 
You do that, guess what you've done? You've fulfilled God's purpose. For Exodus, turn to Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. We're going to be in the voice translation of the Bible. Because this session, we're going to extract our third insight out of this burning bush account. And we're going to pick up right where we left off the previous session with our discussion on fear. Everybody say fear. Mm-mm-mm. Exodus chapter 4, starting at verse 1, the voice. Moses says, remember, he's resisting God's call. God, I don't want to do it. Moses says, what if they don't trust me? What if they don't listen to a single word I say? They are more likely to reply, the eternal is not, has not revealed himself to you. The eternal one answered Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses replied, my shepherd's staff. God said, throw your staff on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground and it was transformed into a snake. Moses quickly jumped back in fear. This is one of those days. Because this is not the one, but I'll use it. That one will work. Thank you. What we said is, keep your eye on the highlighted pieces. When God gives you a purpose, he doesn't want you to go through a whole bunch of iterations of what you have, what you don't have, how much education you have, how much you don't, none of that stuff. He wants you to start with what you have in your hands. Moses had a shepherd's staff. He considered that to be ordinary. But God said, throw it on the ground. And when he threw it on the ground, or in our case, when you cast what you have in your hand out into the earth, out into the world, God will transform it. He will transform it into something useful right before your very eyes. Mm. But what do we notice when it got transformed? When God began to move, when the thing Moses threw out there began to transform, it said he jumped back in fear. Likewise for you and I. When we step out on what God has told us to do and what he's asked us to do and we're using what we have and he begins to move, fear can creep into our heart. And fear, loved ones, lurks in the thought realm. Give me my next image. What do I mean it lurks in the thought realm? When you think that's the first thing you do before you act, it all happens up here first. And what you think can scare you. What are some of the thoughts that can scare you? Well, the thought of doing things you've never done before can scare you. The thought of re-experiencing failures you've endured before, that thing can scare you. 
Reliving hurts you felt before. Thinking of that, doggone it, that can scare you. What are people going to say? What are people going to do? What are they going to think? All of that can scare you. In fact, it can paralyze you with fear. And when you get paralyzed with fear, you're not moving from God for God. Paralyzed people don't move for God. And you think about that thing and people might tell you that fear in and of itself is you know, sin might be might be might be a, a bit strong, but something that God smacks you for. God, God, every time you get scared, God is not mad at you. He made you. He knows that you have feelings and emotions and that you get scared from time to time. That's not the issue. The issue comes in and whenever that fear is what keeps you from doing what God has for you. That's when it becomes an issue. Look at Exodus chapter three, verse 12 in the voice. Yes. As a matter of fact, go back one. To the to the exit right there. Do you have one that goes all the way down? Yes. Oh, my Lord. That's Exodus 3. Go back up. Go back up one. Go back up one more. Okay, let's just stop right there. This one's fine. Yeah, this will work. <laughs> okay. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 4. Give me verse... There's one that says like verse one through four. Yes. Thank you. That, that's perfect. When Moses jumped back in fear, the same with you and I, when you jump back in fear, God doesn't want you to shy away from fear. He wants you to reach out and grab it. And when you reach out and grab it, what you're going to find out is when you do that, in obedience to him, that which you feared will transform and not hurt you. He said, reach out and grab the snake. And when he grabbed it and held it, when he held it, it changed back, not when he thought about it. You have to physically go after your fear with the intent that you're going to eliminate it. If you don't, it'll continue to haunt you for the rest of your life. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, notice this. Next image, please. We have this in two versions. We have it in the voice translation, and we have it in the easy-to-read translation. God already told Moses not to fear. But just knowing that he shouldn't fear isn't enough to keep fear away. 
He said to him earlier, do not fear Moses. Why? I'm going to add in there. I will be with you every step of the way. In the easy to read, it says, God said, you can do it because I will be with you. I like to combine those two things because one talks about fear. The other talks about you can do it. I like to say it this way. Do not fear, Moses. You can do it because I will be with you every step of the way. Our goal, family, is to embrace those words. That we can do whatever God has called us to do because he's with us. We don't have to fear because God is with us. That is our goal to have that kind of internal belief such that no matter what's in front of us, we continue to move forward because why? God is with us. Say this with me. However, fear is an intimidating stumbling block. Fear is nothing to play with. You know, fear will have you speak words out of your mouth when you feel very different in your heart. Fear is the thing that will have you stand up as a believer in a crowded church service or in a, in a, in a concert and sing that Ron Canoli song. You know the one I'm talking about? Look at it. Showing that image. Use me. And you sing that thing. All up, elbow to elbow with folk. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Oh, you be snapping and everything. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Then you can do the verse. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And, 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 and you be you be crying and you don't do you don't do it timid. You don't do it shy. You built that thing out from the bottom of your soul when the smoke and the lights and all that things going on. I mean, you giving it to God. You spitting, talking in tongues, falling on the ground, knocking people over. That that is what you do. That is how you sing that thing in assembly. But when you get home. And when you get by yourself. The fear in you. Is actually serenading God with a very different chorus. It sounds more like this. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use them. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use them. Here we go. Take their hands, Lord, and their feet. Touch their heart, don't speak to me. 
If you can use anything, Lord, you can use them. That's what we say in our heart. Driven by fear. Because you can say anything out loud that you want to, but you cannot conceal the fact in your heart that you really are afraid. It's, it's the same sentiment that at the towards getting toward the end of chapter four in Exodus, after Moses has been just fighting with God about what he don't want to do. Moses finally just told God this. Look at Exodus chapter four, verse 13. Moses said, please, Lord, I beg you to send your message through someone else, anyone else. We can say it like this. God, I want you to send anyone. But me. And that's not to pick on anyone in particular. Because even the best of us have been there. But as a believer, there is so much irony when we reflect that verse onto us. Just like that real heartfelt song that we just went through, instead of use me, use them. As believers, we spend so much time professing that we want God to use us. The irony is once he taps us on the shoulder and say, yo, OK, you you in the game. I'm calling you. I was just playing. We really don't want what we request. Except with the caveat that it comes with no work attached. Say this with me. When you boil it down to one word, the large reason we resist God is F-E-A-R. It's fear. It's fear. Now, to help us battle those fearful thoughts, what we're going to do is we're going to now go back to Exodus chapter three at the beginning of this account. And we're going to now extract our third insight out of this account. Here we go. The hope is that when we go through this account and pull out this third insight, that it's going to give us a perspective that's very useful for us in quite frankly, combating fear. Here we go. Verse one, the voice translation. Now, one day when Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he guided the flock far, far away from its usual pastures to the other side of the desert and came to a place known as Horeb, where the mountain of God stood. There, the special messenger of the eternal appeared to Moses in a fiery blaze from within the bush. Moses looked again at the bush as it blazed, but to his amazement, the bush did not burn up in flames. Moses said to himself, why is this bush not burning up? I need to move a little closer to get a better look at this amazing sight. When the eternal one saw Moses approach the burning bush to observe it more closely, 
he called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. You know, we've pre we previously already identified that this whole burning bush, the thing that we thought was so amazing, was really not uncommon in the desert. The fact that this bush was burning was not what made it amazing. What made it amazing is that it was burning, but not burning up. At some point, I want you to read with me. See the last highlighted yellow? Those seven words? Ready? Read. More closely, he called out to him. And the whole context of that is when Moses got close, God called. When he was some distance from the bush, he didn't call. He didn't speak. But when he got close, God spoke. This gives us an opportunity to talk about why fear is so toxic to you achieving God's purpose. Think about this. When God called this boy, this, I got to stop calling him boy. When God called this man, he was close. And I want you to say this with me. Say fear, fear. Adds, distance adds distance between me and God. Look at this next image. So why is fear so toxic? Fear keeps distance between you and God, which is bad, because God will likely not share details with you concerning his purpose until you get closer to him. And we're not talking about a physical closeness. We're talking about an inner closeness. Look at what James said in James chapter four. You have this in the King James translation and in the voice translation. Verses seven through eight in the King James. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, he's talking to people about, listen, this is how you keep uh, togetherness going. How do you keep unity going? You've got to get rid of some things. The voice translation, submit yourselves to the one true God and fight against the devil and his schemes. For if you do, he will run away in failure. Come close to the one true God and he will draw close to you. We want to stop right there because we want to highlight the part where in the voice translation, it says the devil and his schemes. The devil and his schemes, that those are things that erect barriers in your heart. Barriers present a distance, which presents a separation between you and God. What kind of things could, could possibly be a scheme that could affect your heart? Well, selfishness, hatred, discord, you know, amongst the brethren and, and, brethren and the sisters. Stirring up mess, put it that way. Unforgiveness. And I think I rightly throw in their fear, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things add distance and separation. 
And the Bible says that God did not speak to Moses until they came close. God wants you close. And if you're not close, that's an issue. I have a question for you. Have you ever said to yourself, I wish God would speak to me? Knowing that God is always there. If you're not hearing him, I want you to take a moment and consider that just perhaps God feels that you're not close enough to him. Look at Exodus chapter three, verse five. Go to my next image. Yes. This is the first full expression that God gave Moses. And this first full expression has two parts in it. And we're going to go through each part separately. The first part, God says to him, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals and stand, ba stand barefoot on the ground in my presence. We want to use this to reiterate that God doesn't want any distance between you and him. Moses is standing before God and the place of contact is the soles of his feet. And God asked him to remove that barrier. God asked him to stand before him with his feet bare at the point of contact. Question. When was the last time you stood bare before God? Look at this image. When was the last time you stood bare? And we're talking about bare in heart. Because for God to speak, you must stand with before him with your heart bare. No pretense, no agenda, no trick, no scheme, no pride, no selfishness. You must stand before him. Heart open. Nothing in between you and him. If what you want to do is hear him speak. Even if you have a spiritual stirring to repent for something. You know, I know there's a lot of different ways people talk about this. You know, you can go before the throne of grace. Uh, you know, Jesus has given us the opportunity to go straight to God. But when we're just talking about the concept of being. Having your heart bare before God. That's what God wants. God wants to interface with the real you. Nothing in between. And even when you if you have a stirring in your heart that you I just feel like I got to to tell God that I repent for something, even in doing that, God's expectation is that you do that with your heart unconcealed. 
in the 51st Psalm, David is talking about how he, 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 he's, he has a repentant heart for what he did with Bathsheba. He, 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 he did an act that was adulterous and just an error before God. And David says, God, I really, really want to let you know that I repent. But there is nothing, my words, we will read it eventually, my words, but God, there is no amount of animal sacrifices that I can give you that lets you know how sorry I am. There is no amount of monetary gift or, or offering that I can give you to show you how really apologetic I am. I can't build you a monument big enough. I can't build you a temple grand enough because when it comes to showing you how repentant I am, the only thing you will accept, God, is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. The only thing you're going to accept from me is 100 percent real. I can't come to you with any pretense or agenda or trick or scheme or pride. God, when I come to you, I have to come to you with my heart completely bare. God wants nothing in between you and him. And fear puts a barrier there. Let's read what David said in the in the voice translation. So you don't just have the Benjamin Smith version. Psalm 51, verses 16 through 17. David said, I would I would surrender my dearest possessions or destroy all that I prize to prove prize prize to prove my regret. But you don't take pleasure in sacrifices or burnt offerings. What sacrifice can I offer you? What what sacrifice I can offer you is my broken spirit because a broken spirit, O God, a heart that honestly regrets the past, you won't detest. Standing before God in this manner is what you have to have the courage to do if you want to get close to him. And getting close to him is of necessity if you expect to hear him speak. Let's look at the second part of that expression in Exodus 5. God has already said, don't come closer, take off your sandals and stand barefoot on the ground in my presence. The second part is, for this ground is holy. All the previous information we've shared got us to this point. Which brings up, notice, our question of the day. The question of the day. If I had game show music, I'd play it for you. You know what? Miss Inger, you have won a trip to, you know. If you can just answer the question of the day. But the question of the day is, is, is this. Here's here's what I want your I want your hearts and your spirits to to come in to come in close. We've marinated. Now let's go ahead and have the meal. 
cooking had the meal. The question of the day is this. When did the ground become holy? Take me back up one more to the one previous to the to the verse of scripture. God says, Moses, don't come any closer, dot, 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 up, oh, by the way, while you're taking off your shoes, you need to do it because his ground's holy. When God said that, we need to recognize that ground was there long before Moses ever stood on it. That ground was there long before that bush began burning. Before the messenger of God came into that bush, it was just an ordinary bush sitting on ordinary dirt. And we understand that he's in the desert, so it probably should be sand, but the southern part of me, just we're going to just call it dirt. It was an ordinary bush sitting in ordinary dirt. Before God, coming closer to us, before God made that bush his vessel, that bush and everything around it was just common. But when God made it its residence, his residence, that bush and everything around that bush became holy. Are you seeing yourself yet? Have you kind of figured out what our third insight is? Are you gathering the perspective I want you to grasp? Let's say it directly. As a believer, yeah, you can say it. I didn't say say it, but I, I, I accept that. Let's say it together. As a believer, Miss <laughs> Janice got the pep rally going for me. Let's go. As a believer, As a believer before, God before God resided into me, resided in me I, was I was common. But when he came in and made me his home, I became something more. I became an amazing sight. The Bible says when Moses looked at the bush, something about the bush made it an amazing sight. When God began to live on the inside of you, you went from the common, you went from the ordinary to something amazing. You became ablaze with his glory. You became a burning bush. I want you to look at this. Next image. Spiritually speaking, when God began to live inside of you, you became a burning bush. 
When the devil looks at you, you are on fire. When demonic spirits look at you, you are ablaze with his glory. God on the inside. And because you are on fire, what is fire capable of? Fire is capable of annihilating darkness. Fire is capable of applying warmth. Fire is capable of sterilizing infecting, infected environments. Fire can ignite others. Fires can burn up relational nonsense and drama. Anybody got drama that need to be burnt up? You can do that because you are a burning bush. You are ablaze with his glory. It can incinerate fear. All because you have God within you. We're reading about Moses. Moses had God with him. You got God in you. There is a vast more amount of comfort in motion and movement and what you do in this earth when you know you got God in you. But fear pressures you to forget that. Fear pressures you to say, I'm just the same ordinary me. The reason the devil uses that as a scheme is that he can see that you're ablaze. But his hope is that you forget it. He knows that if you forget it, what you're likely to do when God gives you an assignment is to cross your hands, sit on your bottom and wait for God to move. When all the while he is very much aware that you got God on the inside. So when God gives you a call, if you want God to move, all you got to do is get up on your feet and start walking. And guess what? God just moved. You got God on the inside of you. Every time you move, God moves. When you wake up in the morning and you sit up, guess what? God just moved. When you go to the bathroom, God just moved. When you take a shower, doggone it, God's moving. You go to the kitchen and make your coffee, God's standing in front of Keurig making coffee. You want to go get your tea and cornbread? God's getting ready to have tea and cornbread. You want to go to the stove and make grits? Doggone it. God boiling the water, putting the milk in there, and stirring the Quaker into the pot. God is moving. You get in your car and you start driving, God's on the move. You help your neighbor, guess what? Doggone it. God's on the move. You feed the homeless, God's on the move. You come to your church and you serve God over there in the corner serving. God in the choir serving. God in the pulpit serving. God in the parking lot serving. God in the finance area serving. God in the youth ministry serving. God is in you. Every time you move, God moves because God's in you. You are a burning bush. And the enemy wants you to forget that. That's why fear is, is such 
a sneaky, conniving, toxic scheme. Because if fear can grip you, it grips your tongue. If fear can grip you, it binds your feet. If fear can grip you, it shackles your hands. And you won't do nothing for the kingdom in fear. But when you know that you are ablaze with his glory, with the power to annihilate, to apply, to sterilize, to ignite, to burn up, to incinerate, you will do what God asks you to do without any concern. Why? Because God is with you. And you take that what God told Moses and you say, I will not fear. I can do exactly what he called me to do because he's with me every step of the way. Not just with me. He's in me every step of the way. So every little step I take, God is taking a step to. And I know I'm not the only one that was singing that every little step I take song. I can't sleep at night. I toss and turn. Listen for the telephone. I know it. You was with me? Y'all remember that dance? All right, let's come back. Let's come back. Let's come back. But we say it jokingly. But 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 that's that's true. Every little step you take, he will be there. He'll be right there. He can't help but be. Because he resides on the inside. You know, we talk about wanting to see God move. And the devil wants us to forget how powerful we are. He hopes that we're ignorant of that. He banks on us being ignorant of that. Because it's not just about the movement. Remember, when God got in the bush, Moses wasn't touching the bush. He was in the vicinity of the bush on the ground near the bush. Not only is the bush ablaze, but because God is there, the area around the bush is holy. With God in you, you now have the authority to not just be ablaze, but to command the area around you be holy. What am I trying to say? When you walk, every time you enter a space, no matter what that space is, you have the authority to transform it into holy ground. Real life example. One that I have lived, and I'm sure many of you have lived. You can be in an environment or 
or have you ever been in an environment that was, what's the word, un, un, unappealing, just bad? People callous, people mean, just unright, just, just, just nasty folk. And that's not the only kind of environment, but just an environment that was just unappealing to you. Have you ever been in that type of environment? And when you walk in the space, you can feel the atmosphere change. Have you ever experienced that? When you enter a room or you step on the grounds and people see you there, the atmosphere begins to change. That's you and your burn having the ability to call the ground that surrounds you holy. Working in the office and you got that boss that's just nasty. Nasty, just, I'm talking just trip all the time for no reason. It's too early for you to be tripping like this. We just got here. How can you have that much trip in you and the day hasn't even started yet? Do you just, where you get your trip from, Sam's Club? You must have a bulk, a bulk amount of trip. Just, what's wrong with you? But have you ever, ever had just one of those bosses that's just always tripping and always in somebody's face. But when they come around you, they have an unparalleled, unmatched level of politeness and professionalism. And nobody in the office know why. Even the boss don't know why they hold mannerism change when they come into your space, but now you do. It's the influence and the effect of the God inside. When they come your way, they approach a burning bush. And when they step to you, they step on holy ground. And they spirit gotta change. That's what happens. Look at here. You, you, you go to, you know, you go to the reunion because you invited. And you love your family. But they, the way they are. We're not here to condemn them for it, but you will notice that when you step into the space, things change. Conversations change. Word choice change. And you're not requesting the change. But you have in you the authority and the ability to call the ground holy. Check this out. Have you ever been in an airport? And somebody comes and sit next to you. You don't know them. Within 10 minutes, they telling you their whole life story. <laughs> Bearing their soul. Getting out tissue. And they don't know why. I'll tell you why. It's the effect of the God inside of you. 
When they sat down next to you, they sat next to a burning bush. And the space that they sat in was holy. And whatever it is that has been bothering them, whatever the enemy has been attaching to them, the enemy cannot sit still next to that flame. It's too much heat. It's too much pressure. It's too much spiritual power. Got to move. Open your mouth and you're right. You, you right next to God in the flesh. Talk. It happens. Here's another one. Have you ever come across somebody who was just weighted down with worry? After just moments with you, they leave lighter. No longer teary. No longer hopeless. They don't know why. But now you do. When they approach you with whatever they wanted to share, they approached a burning bush. Amen. And when they got close enough, they stepped on holy ground. And whatever was oppressing them could no longer stand the heat. That is why you can walk in your own house. And with very few words, command peace. Because when you walk into your house, a burning bush just showed up. A small caveat, because I want to make sure I'm clear. Commanding peace is not the same thing as commanding quiet. Because a lot of, let's say, parents... Mom and dad and them come home and can command quiet. Fear can do that. I'm talking about stepping through your threshold of your door and commanding genuine peace. Children had a bad day. Five minutes around you, tears cleared up. Had a bad day. Five minutes around you, Self-esteem built back up. Wife comes to you. Husband comes to you. Just not the best of days. But when they step on holy ground. Before that burning bush. Their day changes for the better. By the way, that's why things like. Everybody in your home being a believer is so powerful. There might be times that even though I'm a burning bush, my flame might be flickering a little bit. I may be taking the best the devil got and he may have me on the ropes. But when I can reach out to my son and reach out to my wife and reach out to my daughter, and reach out to my grandkids and reach out to whoever is in the house. Remember, a burning bush, you're on fire. So you also have the ability to reignite. They can reignite me. 
You want your entire house to be aflame. The third insight with Moses and this burning bush, loved ones, is that spiritually you are a burning bush. You are a believer with God inside with the power to create within your space holy ground. Say this with me. I am much more than common. I am a burning bush with the power to command the space around me be holy ground. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That is a great place to put our next bookmark. We're not done here. Expressing how much of a burning bush you are. But we will pick that up next time. I love you so much. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here came with ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have to say. As believers, we are not immune to fear. But as people with God inside, we have the ability and the authority to incinerate that fear. We have to lay hold of the conviction that we can do whatever it is you want us to do because you're going to be with us every step of the way. You're not surprised when we get afraid, but what you want us to do is to continue with you, with you in spite of our natural fear. Allow us to see ourselves on fire with you inside. And we will take that image forward beyond these walls into the world that we live in and let others experience the God effect. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.